spin your passion into a business of Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. It's that time once again for the Jack Riccardi Show, and here is the one and only Jack Riccardi. And let me be the first, Christian, to wish you, if, if, if no one else has done it yet, let me be the first to wish you a happy National Guacamole Day. You know what? That's so cool that you would say that because... See, I, <laughs> see, Are you all choked up? Yeah, I am. I mean, I'm wiping the tears from my eyes. But, you know, being a, a man, I'm not speaking for all men, but I don't cook a lot. Okay, I can't make a lot of things. I do make some unbelievable guacamole. Oh. And so thank you for passing that along. I thought nobody was going to do it today. Good. Well, there I'm a little late getting my cards out this year, but uh, I didn't <laughs> right. want to forget to wish you a good one. So, yeah. All right, guacamole. And it's also National Play-Doh Day. Be very careful not to get those confused. Um, <laughs> so if you were worried, and I know you were, I know a lot of us have been worried about how people on Martha's Vineyard were going to, we're going to be able to get through the weekend. You can relax uh, because the the people who live and vacation on Martha's Vineyard, like the Obamas and Carly Simon, they're going to be just fine. The illegal immigrants are gone. The people that were flown up there by Ron DeSantis are not there anymore. So there was about 48 or 50 of them. Uh, and as we talked about yesterday, they arrived and this uh, self-declared sanctuary community uh, had a complete hair-on-fire, hissy-fit meltdown when they weren't angsting over where they were going to put them and what they were going to do with them and how they were going to feed them. They were railing and lashing out at whoever sent them. But we find out now that the governor of Massachusetts, Charlie Baker, has moved them, has, has moved them to a... Um, mothballed section of Joint Base Cape Cod. Um, so they are at a former military barracks place as of right now. In fact, Baker activated the Massachusetts National Guard to assist with the situation. He activated 125 National Guardsmen, which means every single illegal immigrant had two with some left over. They couldn't handle 50 illegal immigrants for 24 hours. But we should shut up and handle thousands in tiny little towns and rural areas of South Texas and not say a word and not expect anybody to help. And every day, not just once. Now, of all the reactions to this, um, here are a couple of my favorites. NBC News, on their Twitter account, and it's been taken down, actually tweeted this out. This was um, a couple of hours ago, and it's not there anymore. I just checked. NBC News, Twitter. Florida Governor DeSantis sending asylum seekers to Martha's Vineyard is like me taking my trash out and just driving around to different areas where I live and dropping it off. Uh, 
offensive is that? That is that's probably about as bad as you can get. You're comparing human beings to the trash. So illegal immigrants to somebody at NBC News, I don't know who wrote this. Illegal immigrants are like hefty bags of garbage. I don't ever want to hear a lecture again from Chuck Todd or any of these people. I mean, the, the mask slips, and that's the that's the genius of these buses and these planes, is that it's given the lie to people who, for years, crowed about being sanctuary cities. They proclaimed themselves sanctuary cities under Trump because the border wasn't delivering all these illegal immigrants. But now that the buses and planes are arriving, these people have lost all sense of how they even sound. George Takei, the actor from Star Trek, often uh, harks back to his childhood. He was one of the Japanese Americans who was forcibly interned um, at a uh, at a camp run by the federal government. There were several of them in the Southwest uh, during World War II. Uh, there was a fear of Japanese sabotage, largely unfulfilled or unrealized. There was latent racism. The Roosevelt administration put uh, the military in charge. They used uh, mostly mothballed uh, facilities, training camps. These were places with barbed wire and watchtowers and tanks and MPs. People were shot if they got too close to the fence. George Takei said today that this reminds him of that. This reminds him of that. Martha's Vineyard is a exclusive resort. How does Martha's Vineyard with Airbnbs and gourmet restaurants and celebrities. I'm sorry, how, how is that reminiscent of Japanese-American internment camps? And you do realize that if you're saying that Ron DeSantis sent these people to something like a Japanese internment camp, are you saying that Ron DeSantis is the Franklin Delano Roosevelt of our time? Seems to me you are. So Democrats have always loved Martha's Vineyard. It's a place they go. It's a place they hang out. I mentioned yesterday um, the, the Clintons spent a lot of time there. The Obamas spent a lot of time there. I think the, the Obamas have a house there. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's either there or Nantucket. Now, all of a sudden, this week, Martha's Vineyard is a hellhole. They keep describing it as a remote island. It's, <laughs> it's not that far off the coast. It's not like it's, it's not like it's out, the, it's not like Alcatraz, you know. But I mean, all of a sudden, the place they love to go is the worst place on earth. And that's the genius of this, uh, of this bu- busing, uh, of this busing thing. Another thing I've noticed is, um, the media are calling it a stunt. Right? It's a partisan stunt. It's a shameful stunt. Now, my understanding of this is that the people who are on these buses are given a choice. Okay? 
None of them have been hurt or harmed. And why is it a stunt when Republicans or conservatives do it, but it's a protest when Democrats or liberals do it? I mean, it's a small word, it's a small distinction, but it's hard not to notice. And I had a great email from a listener named Ken, made a great point, great observation about this. He says, with regards to the coverage of the relocations of illegals to New York, Chicago, and now Martha's Vineyard, I've noticed that a key element uh, is missing from the stories, and it's probably due to the reporters and commentators not fully understanding uh, the process. He writes, when illegals cross the border and come into the custody of the Border Patrol or other agencies, part of the process involves checking the individuals for warrants and criminal history. This is how fugitives and past offenders who have been noted in the news have been identified. This takes place before any further disposition, before handing them over to an NGO or putting them on a bus or a plane. The getaways are the ones showing up on the streets of Laredo and Eagle Pass and so forth include the criminal element that's avoided this processing. The groups being sent north by Abbott and DeSantis have all already been vetted. And those with warrants or a violent history have been removed before they load up. He writes, if the sanctuary cities up north think things are rough now, maybe we should start sending them the raw product instead of the pasteurized version. It's a great point. What do you think about all this? What do you think about what it is revealing And maybe the revelation is not so great to you, but you have to think about how this is hitting people that only casually follow the news or people that haven't really given a lot of thought to the issue of or the phenomenon of a sanctuary city. Because this is one of those moments, as we talked about yesterday, where people are being asked to walk the walk and they're not doing it. They can't apparently can't do it. They couldn't make it 24 hours after years of saying, we want him, we'll take him, we care. Putting all those, remember all those signs? We talked about this yesterday, all those amazing, heartfelt signs. We believe black lives matter. We believe no human is illegal etc etc yeah no you don't you just like the feeling you get sticking that sign in your grass we're going to talk restaurants on the dish coming up after six two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five we're talking about uh sending illegal immigrants to sanctuary cities i love the argument that these poor people are pawns you know it's It seems impossible for leftists to talk about people of color without infantilizing them, right? Every time they talk about somebody who's not white or male, that is suddenly a person who has no idea about anything, can't have an ID to vote. You know, to justify anything or everything they want to do or keep it is necessary to reduce their constituency to the level of helpless moron. So one way to look at this is um, 
the left clearly sought a open border, please come, we will not deport, we will not put up a wall, we'll have Dreamers and DACA. They are getting the immigration atmosphere they wanted. It would be like if you ordered up exactly the weather you wanted, the temperature, the cloud cover, everything was exactly what you wanted. This is exactly what they have said for years they wanted. Why are they the ones screaming and squawking? And why are they so upset about illegal immigrants arriving in places they designated as sanctuaries? That would be like walking into a homeless shelter and saying, what the hell are all these homeless people doing here? I mean, it's just that, it's that crazy. Dan Galertner, who we've had on the show many times before, wrote a great piece about this at AmericanGreatness.com, AmGreatness.com, entitled, Send All of the Illegals to Martha's Vineyard. He wrote, Martha's Vineyard has a medium home value of about three times the national average. For the sake of equity, we need to get those numbers down. The island doesn't exactly specialize in low-income accommodations, so it had better start building. They'll need tower blocks to accommodate their new neighbors. It's 96 square miles and has a population density of 180 people per square mile. Manhattan is 22 square miles and has a population density of 75,000 people per square mile. So before we reach Manhattan levels of population density, which Martha's Vineyard should certainly target if it wishes to give adequate representation to impoverished minorities, Martha's Vineyard could accept an immigrant community of about 7 million people. I didn't check his math, but if that's right, why isn't that the goal? I thought that white people were trying to surrender their privilege. I thought everywhere we look, they're they're apologizing for and um, bowing and scraping for their privilege. Martha's Vineyard is the epicenter of white privilege. It's one of the whitest places you'll ever be. If this is something that really gnaws at the conscience of white liberals, then this is a godsend. The DeSantis plane load is a godsend. But of course, all of this, as Galertner writes, is not the case. Uh, These people in Martha's Vineyard, like all wealthy Democrats, want to keep what they have for themselves. The difference between you and them is that they want to signal their virtues with your property. They want to declare their ideals, but use your community, your school, your hospital, your money. They want to be able to say the right things. They never want to be asked to do the right things. Glerner goes even further. He says that Democrats want a permanent underclass. And I don't think it's just Democrats. I think there's a lot of people that, and they'll never say it, they'll never admit it, but they want there to always be people who will clean the house, do the menial jobs. You know, if you have the quote-unquote American dream, if you have upward mobility, if you have the ability of anyone within a generation to dramatically improve their income or their skills or their standard of living, 
who's going to do the menial jobs? And that's what happens. Immigrant groups that come to this country keep bettering themselves. They keep figuring it out. That's not good for a political party that depends on, that, that is addicted to, a permanently dependent underclass of people. And I think it's becoming very clear. I mean, we, we've said this for years, but we've never had the kind of evidence that we've had in recent days and weeks. These are their immigration policies that are in place right now. This isn't the Trump immigration system. This is the Biden administ- uh, immigration system. So what's, what's the problem, Martha's Vineyard? 210-599-5555. Tell me what you think. Speaking of history, I, I know we're all up to here with coverage of uh, what's going on in Britain, but did you see where there was a big outpouring of people in Hong Kong this week? Um, Hong Kong is having sweltering, humid weather, and it's very dangerous to publicly demonstrate in Hong Kong right now because of the communist crackdown. But there was a big outpouring to honor um, the life of Queen Elizabeth. And I think Monday or Tuesday was a holiday there, and, and there, were, there were thousands of people in the streets. Uh, and, and reporters were asking them, why, why did you come out? I mean, Hong Kong hasn't been a British possession since 1997, I think. And people said her death made us nostalgic for how good we had it when we were a British colony or protectorate. In other words, at the time, everybody thought, oh, it's going to be great to have, you know, to get out from under the the British Empire, the British yoke. But everything that's come since has, has been much worse. Freedom. Uh opportunity, upward mobility, as we were just talking about, all of that's over, all of that's a memory now. And one lady told a reporter, I only realized how good it was after I lost it, referring to the handover to China of Hong Kong. I only realized how good it was after I lost it. You know, say what you want about the British Empire, say what you want about Queen Elizabeth, but this is uh, the conversation we really need to be having about Western civilization. It isn't just things like Hong Kong that we're giving away without realizing it. It, it, it. It's a lot of things that constitute, if you will, fences that we're tearing down without remembering why they were put up. We're tearing things down, whether they are forms of government, whether they are traditions, whether they are mores, we're tearing them down and we're boldly and excitedly plunging into the future. But I wonder if we are going to look back and say, gee, we didn't realize how good we had it. We didn't realize how much better that thing that we threw away was. That might be one of the most fitting tributes of all to Queen Elizabeth, that people in Hong Kong would be in the streets saying that. 210 599-5555. 599-5555. What are your thoughts about the um, the buses and the planes taking illegal immigrants north? By the way, we keep hearing about this like it just started. 
the Biden administration was shipping people all over the country by bus and plane all along. It seems only to have disturbed disturbed um, some in the media once Republican governors started doing it. If it is mean or or neglectful or something, if you're going to raise concerns about, well, how are we paying for this? Why weren't those questions from the beginning? In fact, why aren't we asking those questions about our immigration policies writ large? Like, we should think about our, our border policy in terms of what does it cost to enforce the border and what does it cost when we don't. And I don't just mean cost in terms of dollars, although that's a good one. But a smart country, an advanced country, would think about its immigration policies in terms of the national interest and the best things to do for all the human beings involved, the, the, the human beings that are Americans, the human beings that are immigrants. That's what, a, that's what an intelligent, advanced country with a soul and a brain would do. What it would not do is allow nitwit politicians to hide behind sound bites and slogans or to invoke really, really, really tired historical analogies. I mean, this week we've heard everything from the Japanese internment camps to the Nazi concentration camps to Jim Crow. I, you know, I, I guess what I find odd about all of those comparisons, by the way, is um, those are all things that the government enforced, you know. And when people talk about Jim Crow, they forget to call them Jim Crow laws. It wasn't like people in the South organized themselves into Jim Crow. Jim Crow was the name for, the nickname for a set of laws. The Japanese internment camps were an executive order from Franklin Delano Roosevelt. He's on our money. Okay? So if you're going to use those analogies, you're talking about acts of government. And I, I think the American people are incredibly, incredibly welcoming, incredibly kind. I think people always, in any situation, most people look to be um, as empathetic as they can be. We're a giving people. You know, I, I think people are getting a little tired of hearing the politicians say that we're not doing enough or we're not open enough or we don't care. And it goes back to what Dan Gallertner was talking about. We have politicians who signal how much they care with our money. You know, when you donate money, that's charity. When they take taxes from you and give it to a cause, they act like it's charity, but it's not. Amity Schles, who's a great historian, wrote a book called The Forgotten Man about the uh, Great Depression and the New Deal. And not everybody agrees with Amity Schley's about the New Deal. Her conclusion, if you've never read the book, is that the New Deal, FDR's New Deal, extended and prolonged the Depression rather than ended it. She says what got us out of the Depression was World War II, not this alphabet soup of, of federal programs. But but the, the title, The Forgotten Man, refers to kind of a, I guess you would say kind of a parable where... Person A and Person B meet up, 
and they point to a problem in society. It could be hunger or homelessness or the need for this or the need for that. Person A and person B get together and they go, something ought to be done about that. And then they take money from person C to do it. Except person C wasn't in the conversation. Person C didn't give their consent. They didn't, they didn't get to decide that was a priority or that needed to be done. And person C is the forgotten man. Think about college loan debt forgiveness. Something needs to be done. Let's take money from other people, people that didn't go to college, and pay it. 210-599-5555. So we've got a special master for the Mar-a-Lago evidence. Uh, This came down yesterday. The uh, U.S. District Judge Aileen Cannon um, rejected the demand from the Department of Justice to not have a special master. They had tried to say that a special master would work against the interests of the uh, Justice Department and the interests of of protecting national security. Um, And the judge basically said, uh, you're not making any sense. For example, those documents, if they are sensitive, if there were nuclear secrets in the papers at Mar-a-Lago, were there for 18 months. It doesn't suddenly become a national security emergency because you guys are about to get you know, scorched in the midterm elections. And it's also weird to me that um, the special master seems like such a terrible idea to people that claim they've done everything right, that they've dotted every I and crossed every T. Because if you've done all that and you haven't, for example, vacuumed up a lot of things that are privileged or that have nothing to do with your investigation, uh, then a special master is not something you need to worry about. They seem very worried for people who shouldn't be worried at all. Um, have you ever been out somewhere, and maybe it's a restaurant or a bar or whatever, and you can hear that somebody has kind of had too much? They get louder, and they don't hear themselves anymore. I mean, maybe that's you. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but I'm assuming it's somebody else, and you're overhearing it. So there was a story in the news this week, um, and it came from a uh, website called Punchbowl News, and then it was picked up by TheHill.com and a number of other news organizations. And apparently Chuck Schumer and a bunch of senators were out at a private uh, dinner at an Italian restaurant in Washington, D.C. And obviously people in the room recognized Schumer and these other uh, senators, so there were probably a lot of people kind of, you know, half listening or trying to overhear and apparently as the dinner went on uh chuck got more and more lubricated and um he was saying a lot of things again i'm just going to relate this to you i wasn't there i don't know if this is true but apparently he was overheard saying that nancy pelosi is in trouble meaning that the democrats they're projecting the democrats will lose the house He told his fellow senators there's a 60% chance that Democrats will hold the Senate, but only a 40% chance that they'll hold the House. He talked about Kevin McCarthy, the House Republican leader, as somebody that sucks up to Trump. He predicted out loud that Trump will run again in 2024. And um, I just thought it was kind of interesting that a guy like Schumer would be uh, overheard 
But then I thought about it, and I realized um, this guy's been around a long time. He's been in politics, you know, since I was a kid. What if he wasn't overheard? What if this is the way you get the word out? Right? Like, you can't, he couldn't hold a news conference and say this stuff. But this is how you let everybody know that you know what's happening. And the reason I wonder about this is because uh, there's been a lot of open talk among Democrats lately uh, about how they're not running the midterm uh, strategy right. They're not running the camp. In other words, they've, they've already started kind of the recriminations and the, you know, autopsy of their, of their disaster in November. Sort of like when, when the team is losing the game and it's getting down to the final seconds, the, the backbiting and the second guessing starts, you know. And so um, maybe this is Schumer's way of putting it out there without being on the record. Oh, I was just at a restaurant. I can't help it if people overheard me. Jack Riccardi, late afternoon show for Friday. We'll kick off the weekend with the dish after 6. And Jeff is on 550 and 1071 KTSA right now. Jeff, good afternoon. Hey, Jack, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Yeah, uh, maybe kind of try to follow me here, but when I, when I heard the reference to garbage and trash with uh, the folks that were going up to Martha's Vineyard, I was I was trying to think about maybe turn it around back to the progressives and liberals and do, at any point in time, do these people become valuable, value-added, uh, from a human standpoint, and I would venture to say that as soon as the the progressives indoctrinate them in their mindset, provide numerous social services, provide them all kinds of benefits, and then get them qualified to vote, I think the the dying flips, and they become valuable to the liberals. Uh, and so I'm not really surprised I, I would like to hear if MS, msnbc would be like do these people really become value added no they're pieces of garbage until they get them indoctrinated but i'm not i guess i'm not uh surprised because until a an unborn child exits the womb there no there's no value right from a them, uh, yeah. from a liberal yeah, standpoint them, yeah. I'm yeah, no, I hear what you're saying. I, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I think you're. I think you're onto something, Jeff. And I, I first of all, I mean, it's it's just appalling to compare any human beings to bags of garbage, and they've they've let the mask slip in a way that I hope people will never ever forget. These are not better people. They have no business lecturing the rest of the country about how we should feel about anything. But to your point, they do seem to attach more value to a person when that person agrees with them or helps them get what they want. And you could say that about anything. You could even say it about debates over free speech. Like, it's it's shocking and it's chilling, right, if somebody they agree with is deplatformed or not allowed to speak. But when people they don't like or don't agree with are shut out of their Twitter account or forced off of a uh, speaking engagement at a college campus, then that's fine. That's okay. So you got to care about 
this stuff all the time or you're pretending to care about it is not a convincing act. And I, I, I really, I always marvel, just, just like on the free speech thing, I, I always marvel at how quickly these defenders of civil rights and these defenders of rights, how quickly they will censor people uh, over what they have deemed disinformation or misinformation, not realizing that every totalitarian regime in the world simply labels its opposition as disinformation and misinformation. So I, I, I guess they just don't hear themselves. I guess these people on Martha's Vineyard, I guess George Takei, I guess they just don't hear themselves. I guess they've lost the ability to, to, to you know, sort of play back in their own head what they're saying and how they're and how they're saying it. Um, you know, I'll give you another example. There's uh, there's been a series of arrests this week in England as people have protested um, at the. Um, uh, funeral procession for Queen Elizabeth. I don't know if you heard this or not. J- just a few, not a lot, but there have been isolated incidents. A guy was screaming F you at Prince Andrew when he was marching in the procession. There were people holding up signs that said F imperialism, F the monarchy. They were arrested by British police. They have been arrested by a country we think of as very similar to us in terms of its openness and its democratic values. For saying things and and displaying signs that were insulting to the royal family. Should that be a crime? And so the British left are up in arms. They're furious. They're screaming and yelling and and demanding action. But like the American left, they forget that for years now, they've been censoring and deplatforming and demanding the silencing of people they don't like. The only reason they're angry about this is because they have some empathy with F the monarchy. (laughs) They're not, this is something they can agree with. So a police action against it catches their attention, but you have to care about this stuff all the time. Or it doesn't help, it doesn't matter. You can't be a little bit against censorship. You can't be a little bit for free speech. That's not how it works. A couple of other things in the sports. So we talked about UTSA, and are they an upset possibility with uh, the Longhorns? Um, there was an interesting uh, story this week about the... Um, home run record in baseball. So I don't know if you're a baseball fan or not, but Aaron Judge of the New York Yankees uh, may get to 62 home runs this year. He may get to more. He may get to fewer. Um, People are now debating, well, what is the home run record? So remember, Babe Ruth had it, and then Roger Maris broke it, 61, right? That was the name of the documentary. And that record stood for a long time. And then we had, um, if you remember, Mark McGuire and Barry Bonds, both going over 70. Barry Bonds hit 73 one year. 
Mark McGuire had a year where he hit 70 and another year where he hit 66. Sammy Sosa hit 66. This was in the late 90s and the early 2000s. But those guys all did that in the PED era, right? So those are the records set with performance-enhancing drugs. Maris and Ruth set their records in the era where ballplayers were smoking in the dugout between innings. So some people are saying, if Aaron Judge gets to 62, baseball should recognize him as the new, real home run king. But baseball's record book still has Barry Bonds. Even though people in the sport, people who cover the sport, historians of the sport, all frown on this, the actual record is 73. What do you think? Jack Riccardi, late afternoon show. Uh, there's an ad right now for Wendy's. I think it's Wendy's, right? Is that the the, the, the outfit that uh, Reggie Bush does the commercials for? And he's he's uh, he's doing a little take. He, I mean, he must he must be a good sport, Reggie Bush, because he's doing a little self mocking of the fact that he won a Heisman one year and they took it away from him. Um, and so they're. They're playing off of that with some new breakfast sandwich or something or some hamburger or something that they have at Wendy's. But anyway, um, in the sports world, um, there is not much you can do once people have seen something with their own eyes. So once Barry Bonds hit 73 home runs, and we all saw him do it, that became a fact. The tarnishing of that number is a real thing. The shame of PED use is a real thing. Baseball could have tried to do what the NCAA did with the Heisman, but they didn't. Baseball, I don't think, wants to rip the top off the whole PED thing, because where would it stop, right? Where, where would you begin and where would you end? So, no... Aaron Judge is going to have to hit 74 home runs, which he's not going to be able to do, if he's going to be the new home run king. I'm not saying I like that. That's just the way it is. The record is 73. The record in the books is 73. We saw it. The, The home runs were not called back or reversed on replay. These things happen in sports. You know, when Ro- people forget when Roger Maris, and I think this is in the documentary, when Roger Maris set the record with 61, people tried to ding that. They said, well, it was an expansion year in baseball. He was playing against terrible teams. They had expanded the schedule uh, so that the season was longer. It's not a real record, but it, it was a real record until it got broken. And um, I don't know if we'll see anybody hit more than 73. I guess it's possible. I mean, there are some records I don't think we'll ever see. You know, Cy Young with 511 wins and 750 complete games. That We're, we're probably never going to see that. Because the game itself has changed, right? More relief pitches, more pitching changes, um, more pitchers on the roster. And a lot of things change. The dimensions and makeup of ballparks, the way the ball is wrapped. That's the nature of baseball. That's the nature of all sports, the the conditions under which the game is played change makes it hard to do an apples-to-apples comparison. But you have to have some kind of record. You have to draw the line somewhere. And this is where baseball's drawn it. 
And so this talk, and it's mostly in the New York sports media, this talk that all Aaron Judge has to do is hit 62, and he's the he's the king. I'm sorry, that's that's absurd. I'm not saying that because I have anything against Aaron Judge. That's just not how this works. 210-599-5555. David is on KTSA. David, good afternoon. Hey, Jack. So, you know, McGuire and Bonds, everyone hates people that cheat. And essentially, that's what we're talking about, isn't it? I mean, uh, they knew what they were doing. And yes, they hit those those home runs and Bonds took the record. But uh, Aaron Judge, I think if he can hit 62 or more, he should be declared the uh, the champion. Does everybody? Well, you can say that that's what you would like, David, but that's not that's not how these things work. And I would just remind you that when McGuire and Bonds were hitting those home runs, um, it wasn't just them. All of baseball was complicit in that. So you you and I both know a lot of people were aware of the drugs, and a lot of people in baseball were really happy about the TV ratings and the attention and the suspense and the excitement that those home run races created. Baseball was in the doldrums after the 94 postseason got canceled, and now all of a sudden here comes this history in the making every night on television. So the, I, I, it may, you know, the time to fix that was when it was happening. You don't fix it now by giving a phony title to, to Aaron Judge. I agree. But we hate cheaters, you know. Well, you can you can hate them, but that doesn't change that baseball has a record book, and this is what the record says. You could say the same thing about Pete Rose. You could say the same thing about, like I was saying earlier, you could even you could even put an asterisk next to Roger Maris because it was a longer season. He got to play terrible right. expansion teams like the Mets, but that's not that's not a thing, you know. Yeah. I mean, the the way to the way to handle cheating is to not let it happen. Not to, you know, 25 years later, um, give some guy a, a, a participation trophy. I mean, 62, if he hits, let's say he hits 62, which I don't know that that's what he'll wind up with, but that's an incredible accomplishment. And you, as a knowledgeable baseball fan, will know that that was a lot harder to do than Barry Bonds' 73 because he didn't cheat. But that doesn't, I, I don't think that means you, you can just erase history. You know what I mean? I understand. I mean, look at the look at the Reggie Bush thing. I mean, that that's a joke. They're literally making fun of it in a fast food commercial because we all know he right. won the Heisman. Mm-hmm. Yep. I guess what we I guess I think I don't know. I can't speak for you, but for me, I think one of the things that we struggle with with sports is we find it entertaining, we fall in love with it, but we know that they know the you know what they're doing behind the scenes we we know that the finger is on the scale right whether it's whether it's the same four teams making the college you know football playoffs every year or uh, you know whatever it is there's there's advantages and unfair you know tips of the scale that 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 happen um and i guess if you dwell on them you can't really enjoy the sport so to enjoy the sport you have to kind of look past them yeah, I understand. But, you know, we love Cinderella's stories. For example, you know, NCAA basketball tournament. We we yeah. absolutely love that. We love sure. when you see the underdogs come through and, you know, make it. So, yeah. Yeah.
Well, I guess you know you could you could really, if you wanted to, I guess you could vacate a lot of old records and say, well, look, the baseball of 2022 is played on artificial turf. It's played in enclosed stadiums. Everything about it is different from you know 80 years ago. So why are we comparing any current achievement, batting average, home runs, wins, losses? Why are we comparing any of that to guys from the 1920s, 30s, and 40s? We we could we could throw all of that out if we wanted to. We could say that that those are not apt comparisons at all. Not that there was cheating necessarily, but it's not apples to apples, right? Yeah. You do a good job of playing the devil's advocate, Jack. <laughs> well, I'm not... Okay, David, I, 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 I'm not trying to... I mean, I respect what you're saying, and I think a lot of people feel the way you do. I'm not trying to change your mind. I'm just... I, I guess I'm just saying this is how I see it, but... We've got the dish coming up after 6. We're going to talk restaurants. I hope you can remember where you've been this week or where you're coming back from right now. Uh, but you'll have a chance to praise or zing your most recent restaurant experience uh, coming up after 6. It's what we do on Friday nights. 210-599-5555. This is kind of weird. Um, it says here that uh, Harry and Meghan are angry that their kids will not receive royal titles. This family, honest to God, I, you know, have you ever have you ever known a family or seen it in your own family? Somebody passes away, and instead of there just being respect, all the poison boils up to the surface. Everybody just goes on their on their worst behavior. These people, they are no class nudniks. I thought Harry and Meghan were the ones that did the thing with Oprah. I mean, I don't follow this stuff super close, so correct me if I've got this wrong. But didn't they do a, didn't they do a bunch of interviews, including one with Oprah, where they said that the royal family was racist? Isn't, wasn't it Meghan Markle? I think. Tell me if I'm wrong. Who said that they uh, were worried that she would have a brown baby? By the way, does Meghan Markle know what Meghan Markle looks like? She's not exactly Cicely Tyson. Anyway. So I, I think this is the same couple that five minutes ago were throwing their relatives under the bus for being racist. Why would they want royal titles? Right? Like, what? who would want it from the racists? So I don't know. It's why I'm not interested in them. Among, I mean, also, I'm not British. but Hard people to... Queen Elizabeth was a gem, but these other people, are they're hard people to care about. I'm sorry. If you're into that, I'm not trying to change your mind. Everybody's got to have a hobby. 210-599-5555. We were talking about, um, last night we were talking about the uh, school district. Uh, it's Los Angeles School District. They were they had this uh, video where they were um, essentially preaching something called food neutrality. They were saying that um, you shouldn't think of or label food as junk food or bad for you or whatever and um we were you know we were kind of having some fun with that but we were also talking about this phenomenon of people pretending that they don't know stuff they know there's a lot of that going on right now like we have a lot of uh places in the in the conversation where suddenly um children are the experts now i i I'm not being disrespectful of children. I, I am a former child. But, no, Greta should not be making environmental policy. Children should not be speaking at the U.N. about how to keep peace or 
national borders or, 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 or what have you. And in this whole thing that's going on in the schools with pronouns and, um, you know, gender identity and what have you, um, the adults that are trying to overturn biological sex in favor of you can be whatever you feel like, you can declare yourself, you can declare your genders, you can tell your teacher that you're a girl when you're really a boy and she'll keep it secret. Um, now the new sort of hotness is, well, the kids know more than we do. They understand. And I want to, this is a, a piece of a training video where they're training teachers on what to do when you have a student who is um, interested in changing his or her pronouns or gender identity. And this, this, this so-called trainer, the so-called expert, says something jaw-dropping. Take a listen to this. Cut number one. So I had a little girl who was born a girl um, in with me the other day, and then she shared some information, and she wanted to um, go by a different name. And then when she shared her pronouns, I was just confused because she said, um, she, he, they, and them. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of like, I didn't know, if, I just was confused and I, I wanted to understand it a little bit better. Um, cause I was thinking, well, wouldn't it be like just they and them or, um, and then I, I just went with that. I was like, okay, honey. But <laughs> I just kind of, I was just confused. Maybe you could just share a little bit about that or. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great question. Yeah, Kofi. The kid says, go with what the kid says. <laughs> They, okay. They're the best. They're the best experts on their lives. They're the best experts on their so, own identity. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Go with what kids say. They're the best experts on their lives. Do you remember telling your parents that? Hey, hey, mom. I, I'm staying up later. I'm not going to bed at that time. I what? I'm the best expert on my life. I'd have been bouncing down the stairs on my head. I'm not eating this for dinner. No, I don't want this. This isn't good for me. I'm the best expert on my life. She's Her, her advice to this teacher that's asking this mealy-mouthed question about a kid that wants to use all the pronouns is go with what the kid tells you because they're the best experts. Hey, why have teachers then? What are we doing inviting these ignoramus adults into the room? If kids already have it all figured out, we don't really need the adults. Of course, I, I'm being facetious, but this isn't even a, a this is not even a serious argument anymore. These people talk to one another in a way that you could never talk to anyone else outside their little cocoon without having a net thrown over you. And, and don't get me wrong, I, I I want people to to live the way they want to live, and I'm not here to interfere with anybody. It is not up to me to be okay with you. I don't have that authority or approval over you. But but come on, to, to cop out and say, well, in a situation where a child is, is confused, we should just let them do whatever they feel is nonsense. Why do we have um, age limits for smoking and vaping and alcohol? Why don't, why don't we just recognize that middle schoolers ought to be able to vape? Middle schoolers ought to be able to get a pack of 
Marlboros and light them up because they, they know best. This is, to me, um, a lot of what's not just wrong, but it, it's why you and I feel like we can't even, it, you feel like you've arrived from another planet or these people have arrived. Like, how do you reason with somebody like that? Like, if that's your, if that's your kid's classroom, how do you even get in there and begin to unpack that? And the, the, the other thing I marvel at is how much of this we have, you know, libs of TikTok and all these different videos and, and, and YouTube videos and stuff. It's amazing to me how much of this, the people doing this are putting it out. So they, they're, they're not as secretive as you would think they would be for stuff that is so bizarre and, and clearly indefensible. They're proud of it. You know, they're having this little training moment or teaching moment, but they thought so much of it. They thought, you know, everybody needs to see this. Um, we're going to catch up on all the news at 6, and we're going to get to your calls on the dish. We're going to talk restaurants uh, coming up here after 6 on KTSA on a Friday night. Jack Riccardi here, 550 and 107.1 KTSA. We are talking about uh, food shaming and food neutrality on the show yesterday. Had a lot of emails about that uh, last night and this morning. Um, and this one, uh, says, I know this topic is a day late, but I wore this t-shirt today because it was the next clean shirt in the stack. I laughed when I saw which one I picked. I think it goes perfectly with the donut shaming topic. Uh, it's a picture of a box of donuts on the t-shirt, you know, like decorated frosted donuts. And it says, I did it for the donuts. I did it for the donuts. And she said, this is charisma writing. She says it was a 5k uh, prep race before a half marathon the next day. After the run, we were rewarded with a donut and a donut medal. So we were running for a healthy lifestyle, but they rewarded us with junk food. I love it. I love it. I, I'm not saying this in any kind of advisory way. You should not take any medical advice or diet advice from me. But I absolutely think that um, if you are... Like, say, you, you want to have uh, pizza tonight or you want to have a burger tonight and you're planning your workout that morning. I, I, you know what I do? I do extra workout. Or I do extra workout the next day. I don't know how sound that is, but it, it seems right. And I think you can. I'm, I'm living proof that you can lose weight and not have to give things up or go, you know, to any extremes. But for God's sakes... Let's not pretend that donuts are the same as broccoli. <laughs> I mean, that's nuts. Um, did you know there was a, I did not know there was a National Toy Hall of Fame. I guess it would make sense. There's a Hall of Fame for everything. It's even a radio Hall of Fame. The National Toy Hall of Fame has opened up voting for the class of 2022. If you're interested, the uh, candidates for induction into the Toy Hall of Fame include... Um, light bright, remember that you'd you'd plug those little uh, colored glass pegs into the black paper. Yeah, light bright. Uh, Nerf toys. How can Nerf toys not already be in the Hall of Fame? Unless it's a new Hall of Fame. I don't know how old it is. Um, phase ten, the card game Phase ten. Uh, Spirograph. I think Spirograph is the thing where you got like the the little plastic 
discs with the holes and the colored pens, and you could make these cool um, designs with the interlocking and, you know, disc within a disc kind of thing, right? The, the discs had teeth, and they fitted together like gears. Uh, not just describing it. <laughs> People are probably like, what is this guy on? Um, I liked Spirograph as a kid because I couldn't draw, and Spirograph was really the only time that I would make something and look, hold it up and go, oh, that really looks nice, you know. Freehand, I was I was disastrous, but I could do Spirograph. So that's that's an, a nominee. It says the pinata is a nominee. I don't know is the pinata a toy? Wouldn't think of the pinata as a toy. Like no one ever says to their kids, "Why don't you go outside and play with the pinata?" I don't know, or maybe they do. But these are uh, some of the toys that are nominated for the um, National Toy Hall of Fame, which, if you're interested, is in. Rochester, New York. Bees and Beans and cornbread had a fight. Beans, Beans knocked cornbread out of sight. Beans. Cornbread said, now that's all right. Beans. Meet me on the corner tomorrow night. All I right, it's Friday night, and I'm it's the dish. We call uh, the last hour of the last show of the week... The Dish, because this is all about your most recent restaurant experience. It can be any kind of restaurant. It can be fast food, all the way up to white linen tablecloth. It could be a new restaurant that you just tried out, or one that's new to you that you recently discovered. It could be uh, that you're singing the praises of an old favorite restaurant. You can call in to praise or zing. You're judging my food choices based on a false standard of health again, aren't you? (laughs) Guilty. (laughs) I knew it and I didn't know it. Praise or zing the food, the price, the service, or lack thereof. If it was great, tell us what we should order when we go there to just have the best time. And if it was terrible, what went wrong? 210-599-5555. Any restaurant. Anywhere in or around San Antonio, pretty much anywhere you could drive to from San Antonio, you know, reasonably. I mean, I know you could drive to, you know, Winnipeg, but, uh, you know, a, a, a gas tank away or less. Let's put it that way. 210-599-5555 on the dish. We're taking those calls and your votes in the JR poll. And at the end of this hour, we'll have the results and we'll know about some cool places to go eat. So phone lines open for that right now. On KTSA. You can also email me, jack at ktsa.com. Norma just emailed me with a uh, praise for Europa Restaurant, which is at 8811 Fredericksburg Road. It's across from the USAA uh, campus. And uh, Norma says, always uh, exceptional international food and service every time I've been there. Praise for Europa at 8811 Fredericksburg Road. We had a call on Europa last October. Caller was saying it's Italian and Greek and European cuisine. Praise the service, the patio, uh, a mussels appetizer, some bruschetta, flounder smothered in olives and capers, chicken gorgonzola, a lot of great things. And uh, also had a nice call on it back in 2022. All We're taking your calls on the dish. On a Friday night here on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Now, 
Have you ever wished you were taller than you are? It's funny how no matter how tall people are, they often wish they were taller. I, I personally am okay with the height I'm at, but you know, maybe you wished you had a little extra height when you're trying to reach something at the store. Or sometimes guys say, you know, um, at this height, women, you know, I have, I have trouble meeting women because women want the guy to be taller. So anyway, GQ just did a story about a uh, surgical procedure that more and more men are um, going for. It's called leg enhancement. And (laughs) it can add three to six inches to your height. But the catch is they have to break both of your legs. It's a $75,000 procedure. It is not obviously covered. Um, They break your femurs and insert adjustable metal um, shafts down their centers made of titanium. And um, then they get this. So they put them in there, and it's kind of like a bolt. It looks like a threaded bolt or screw or whatever. Then, for about 90 days, via a magnetic remote control, they turn the shaft so that it gradually elongates the leg. So it, it, it very, very, very gradually, but apparently painfully, elongates the leg and then when they're done adding height then the broken bones uh, are allowed to heal and this makes men three to six inches taller i have a lot of questions about i mean how badly could you want something like this you know this isn't like putting on a toupee this is very serious um, I also, I'm wondering how you would look if you gained all that height just in your legs. Because tall people are tall all over, right? Like, they have longer torsos. You know, they're like proportionately taller. You know, think of like an NBA player or the tallest person you know. He's tall all over. That's his long legs. What if you had like a, a little torso on top of these really long legs? It's just... I don't know. That just doesn't sound right. It also says that um, you have to watch your weight because these things are strong, but if you gain too much weight, uh, you could snap them. That kind of sounds like a deal killer to me right there. And then they say it's extremely painful uh, for a very long time. There's months where you can't walk and you have to take painkillers, and a lot of people are worried about being addicted to the painkillers. So... Would you do that? Have metal rods put in your legs to make your legs longer? How about just how about just loving yourself the way you are, you know? How about just finding a woman that likes a man your height? Or whatever the issue is. I don't know about that. I I'm going to I'm going to say I'm not recommending that. I'm not going to give that uh, to any friends for Christmas leg extension surgery. By the way, I being Italian, I know people who will break your legs. So if you want that done, I can get that done for you. The rest of it, I don't know about. 210-599-5555. You can praise or zing your most recent restaurant experience on the dish. We have talked a lot lately about uh, 
electric cars, electric vehicles. And in the auto world, uh, one of the big stories this week was the introduction of the new Ford Mustang, the 2024 Ford Mustang, codenamed S650. That's the internal designation for it. Um, and this is the seventh generation uh, of the Mustang. But the, the big headline is um, it's gasoline-powered. It's not a hybrid. And it comes with an available manual transmission. Which is not really, none of that is really big news for Mustangs. But it's interesting that a car that is such a high-profile vehicle from its company, right? I mean, like the Mustang is... Is kind of Ford's halo car, right? Isn't it interesting that while we're hearing all this talk, oh, EVs, the future, everything, they come out with this thing. It's very old school. I, I, I'm telling you, I'm not saying they're not going to happen. They are, but they're not going to be exclusive. It's not going to be all we have. I really don't think so. But it looks pretty good from the pictures I've seen. If you're a, a car buff, I'm sure you've already checked this out or it's easy to do. Um, you know, the problem they're having with these retro design cars is you can make them look really super retro on the outside, but then you've got these giant plasma screen dashboards inside. And I don't know, that doesn't kind of takes the magic away when you get inside the car, but outside it looks great. Uh, 210-599-5555. We're talking restaurants on the dish on a Friday night and Clint is on KTSA. Clint, happy Friday. Hey, happy Friday to you, Jack. So what is up? Well, I got I got a praise for you. Okay. So Saluna on Broadway, mm-hmm. right there at Sunset, they have the best fried plantains I've ever had in my life. Really? Huh. Really. Yeah. Now that's right on the I corner there right. of uh, <laughs> that's right on the corner of Sunset and Broadway, right in that in that place with the big shopping bags in front of it. Yeah, I think they call that the collection. That's right. Yes. Okay. So what kind of what kind of food is Saluna? Because I didn't even know what kind of cuisine it was. What are they What are they known for? Um, well, it's uh, Mex- Mexican food, but it, it's pretty authentic, in my opinion. Mm. I've had quite a quite a few different kinds in, in my past and it feels like it's authentic to me right um but uh but but the, that i was surprised with the plantains but the main dishes that we that we did have we had the we had the lobster enchiladas Ooh, to die nice. for wow yeah even that even that sauce on that it's not not too rich it's a white wine base and then we had the shrimp uh enchiladas too as well very very wow. nice so were the fried plantains like a, like an appetizer? Uh, yeah, it was kind of like you know like their chips and salsa. Um, oh, okay. But it did. Uh, you can order. You can order just those, and it also came with the enchiladas. So you had two of them on there, with, which was a very small amount, just enough to tease you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then right. you have to order more. Like, like yeah, if you if we give them a little bit for free, they'll want more. So they bring them out. In a complimentary way, but then if you want, you can have more of them. Yeah, I, be- I believe maybe we ordered that as an appetizer. I'm pretty sure okay. we did. I don't think they just started handing them out. <laughs> oh, okay. So they're an, they're appet- really it, good too, though. <laughs> you know, when you said as soon as you said fried plantains, I was thinking. I think the Brazilian steakhouses, at least one of them, 
does that yeah. is it texas day brazil maybe or one of those where when you sit down that's one of the things they bring um to the table that was the first time i'd ever had it and they are really good they're addictive is it i gotta try it there <laughs> for yeah. sure then well, I'm sure they're I'm sure they're just as good as Saluna, and um, I'm gl- I'm really glad you. I was just over there the other day, and I didn't go to Saluna. I was at at another place, but I've been wanting to try mm-hmm. it, and now you've made me even more curious about it. So, you would definitely recommend it. Absolutely, yeah. All very right. nice atmosphere. We sat inside. There was a, a party of us, uh, mm-hmm. but they have outside seating there, and they're yep. they're pretty busy. It was it was yesterday about you know one o'clock p.m. in the afternoon, so. Yeah, very nice atmosphere, awesome. and they do some pretty good margaritas, I hear. All of that sounds good, and I love the sound of those lobster enchiladas, too. Chris, uh, Clint, rather, thank you. Appreciate your call, sir. Appreciate you, and hope you have a good weekend. And praise for Saluna. 7959 Broadway at sunset, 7959 Broadway for Saluna. JR poll results. Coming up at the end of the hour, will UTSA upset the Longhorns tomorrow in Austin? I think there is a very good chance of that. I don't want to jinx them, but I think this this has the feel. I think of all the games on the schedule this weekend, this has the feel of of a surprise game. So we'll see what happens. Um, I don't wish it. I, I like both programs, and I, I I'm not trying to hate on anybody. I just it just has the feel of of a moment of opportunity for the Roadrunners. Anyway, 210-599-5555. We've been talking about uh, restaurants on the dish, and Bill is next on the radio. And, Bill, good afternoon. How are you? I'm good, sir. How are you? Doing wonderful. It's a fabulous Friday. Yes. So what do you have for us? Bill Miller Barbecue. Mm-hmm. Probably has the best fried chicken in town, but it has the worst chicken fried steak. Oh. I ate there about 3 o'clock this afternoon, and uh, I would rate it as uh, below a zero. Hmm. It was horrible. What, what, had you had you had it before, or was this your first time? That was the first time I'd had it there. Uh, okay. I've eaten at Bill Miller's for over 30 years, and I'm a pretty big fan of both their their chicken, their fried chicken. Yeah. And I yeah. thought, well, I'll try this. Well, yeah. try it once, but not twice. Huh. And what was wrong with it? I mean, why was it not, uh, it doesn't seem like it'd be that hard to make it. What What, what did they do wrong? Uh, the breading was way too much. Yeah. The chicken fried steak itself was uh, a piece of meat that had been run through a meat tenderizer so many times that it could almost fall <laughs> apart. And it was still tough as nails and had oh, no taste no. to it. The oh, breading no. was the taste and the gravy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I thought, oh. wow. I ate about half of it and left the rest. The best so thing you'll, be, the you'll be going back, but you won't get that the next time you go. Exactly. The best thing gotcha. on the plate was the coleslaw and the beans. There you go. Right. How are they doing on the tea these days? Are they still keeping up the cool. reputation for the tea? Man, best sweet tea in town. Okay. Right. So I guess I guess that would be like a praise and a zing, right? You've got kind of like a little it's, both going exactly, on. Exactly. Exactly. Always eat their All fried right. chicken, never eat the chicken fried steak again. I will make a note of that, Bill. Thank you, sir. Thank you for the call. So, Dom, we have a, a praise and a zing. You're judging my food choices based on a false standard mm. of health again, aren't you? Guilty. Mm. 
I'll be hearing those voices in my nightmares. Um, Praise and a zing for Bill Miller Barbecue. 210-599-5555 or jack at ktsa.com if you want to um, do it that way. Talk about where you had lunch today or dinner last night or you found a new restaurant or found a restaurant that's uh, new to you. You know, we've talked uh, a bit lately. There's this thing going on called quiet quitting. Have you heard about this? Quiet quitting is where people, they they stay in the job, but they gradually stop doing it, or they do the bare minimum to uh, to keep it. You, It's really just a new term for something that's always existed. There's always been people like that. You've probably known people or worked with people like that. I know you would never do that, but, you know. So it's called quiet quitting nowadays. Anyway, there's a story in the news about a... Um, um, these people that worked at a restaurant in Pennsylvania, and they were, you know, unhappy. They they were, you know how when you're in a job and everybody kind of hates it and you start kibitzing and talking about how awful it is. And um, somehow, this was in a little town in Pennsylvania, somehow these restaurant workers talked themselves into, get this, okay, they talked themselves into sabotaging the train tracks near the rest. I'm not making this up. Or as the president would say, no joke. They decided they would sabotage the train tracks near the restaurant because they figured if the gates would malfunction, traffic would get blocked up, and people wouldn't be able to get to their... It was a Wendy's that they worked at. So that this was the thinking. Like, you know, maybe back in the day, somebody would have called in a bomb threat or whatever. This was the thinking. These geniuses thought, we will screw up the gates at the railroad crossing near our restaurant, and we'll have a nice, slow, easygoing night because nobody will even be able to get here. So they did it. And what it meant was the gates would not have gone down when a train was approaching. And the uh, FBI has now been called in to investigate this case because this kind of sabotage actually falls under the, uh, I guess, the umbrella of an attempted terrorist act. So in order to have a slow night, at the Wendy's, they're now looking at 30 years in prison. But I think the good news there will be no more no more Wendy's. So, imagine being that. I mean, what's the most miserable at work you've ever been? And I and I'm I'm not trying to be I mean, I, I get it. There are jobs you hate and there are bosses you hate, you get into a bad situation, but wow. If somebody starts talking like this, you know, Excuse yourself. <laughs> go get a go get a breath of fresh air outside. Take a break. Don't do it.
Friday night. We're coming up on the results on the JR poll. We're taking your calls on the dish. You can praise or zing your most recent restaurant experience wherever that may have been, whatever that may have been, 210-599-5555. All we ask is please have the complete correct name of the restaurant that you are calling about on the dish. And um, you know, we've talked about the energy crisis they're having in Europe. They're, they're, it, it hopefully is not a precursor of what we're going to face, but their, their grid is overwhelmed. They've uh, lost the imported uh, Russian energy. They're, uh, they rushed into renewable, and now they don't have enough of it. So they're doing all kinds of conservation things and rationing. And uh, Apparently in Switzerland, the government has started putting up posters encouraging um, people to rat out their neighbors if they believe their neighbor is uh, running the thermostat over a certain temperature, which is 19 degrees Celsius. Uh, the poster shows a lady, a uh, young woman, with uh, a cell phone held up to her ear, and she is kind of looking over her shoulder with a bit of a smile. And um, the posters say, if your neighbor has heated his apartment over 19 degrees, please inform us. But the Swiss government says, we didn't put these posters up. We're not doing this. So um, people were all freaked out and buzzing about it on social media and believed that it was a real thing. And um, the government denies that it is, but then comes out and says, we are going to do spot checks to make sure people are complying. So I wonder if it started out as a real thing, and then they decided to um, you know, throw their own idea under the bus. Oh, no, no, that's a hoax. But we will be checking. How would you know? Like, if you lived in, I, I assume this is for apartment dwellers, right? So, like, how would you know your your neighbor's apartment was a degree or two warmer than it was supposed to be? Like, can you feel through the wall, or I don't know. That's I guess I guess maybe if you visited, you could sneak a peek at the thermostat. I don't know. Are people going to live like this? Are we going to be doing this? Two ten five nine nine fifty five. 55, and Brown is on the dish on KTSA. Happy Friday night, Brown. Happy Friday, Jack. Happy Friday. So, you know, I don't, uh, like I said, I don't ever call when I have a bad experience, but, you know, and it's not, that's not going to change today. But, uh, you know, I had to give it a shot and check to see if my theory was correct. So today I had my fifth Arby's Market BLT sandwich at mm -hmm. different locations. And I am always blown away by the fact that that is the best BLT sandwich, and all of the Arby's literally make it the same way. It looks wow. like the picture. It's got like six big pieces of that applewood bacon on it, Ooh. crisp lettuce, fresh tomatoes, and it, the bread is like a sourdough. The thing will fill you up every single time. Yeah. And if you, you have to ask for it like that, market fresh BLT. Don't ask for market a BLT fresh. because then – yeah, they, if you ask for just a BLT, they give you roast beef with cheese and bacon and lettuce and tomato. And I'm like, that is not a BLT. No. It's only got three letters. Yeah. <laughs> but oh, that's if interesting. You get, that, get the seasoned fries, 
Okay. Dip it in the horseradish and get <laughs> okay. yourself one of those peach drinks. <laughs> <laughs> Next, you'll be telling me which space in the parking lot to use. Um, I, I, you know, I got to say, I'm a, I'm a big BLT fan, so I'm going to try that because I, anywhere I go, if they have a BLT, that's usually what I'm going to get. I love those. I never make them at home, but I love getting those when I go out. I was actually out near San Marcos, and I was behind a guy that ordered it, and I didn't even know they had that sandwich because huh. most of the places, they don't have it on the menu. So I said, hey, let me get what he just got, and I got that thing, and I tell you, I don't eat anything else from there, yeah. but that is amazing. And then I went to the one on Nacogdoches by Judson, and, mm. you know, that one's kind of, a, you know, a little squirrely looking in the parking lot, but I, uh, and they still don't let you inside. But um, I went in, I, I actually went through the drive-thru, got that, and when I cracked open the package on that, it was perfect, just like all the other ones I've been at. So I'm well, blown away that, you know, most Yeah, it's, it's pretty rare that the food, food looks uh, in reality the way it does on TV, so that's, that's a good yes. sign. All right. Brown, with praise one, for the Market Fresh BLT. Got to order it that way, Market Fresh BLT at Arby's. Thank you, Brown. On the dish on KTSA 210-599-5555. We have kind of a nice mix going on tonight. We got some fast food places. We've got Saluna on Broadway, more of a, you know, individual higher end experience kind of place. I like that. We we'll do we'll take them all. 210-599-5555 praise or zing. Your most recent restaurant experience on the dish. So we were talking about, uh, I think it was last hour or maybe the hour before, I was talking about the National Toy Hall of Fame is um, soliciting votes for, I guess, the incoming class of 2022. I, I, I didn't even know there was a National Toy Hall of Fame, so I'm, I'm a little behind on that. But anyway, so I was listing the nominees. These are the toys that could be inducted, and it includes... Um, the board game Catan, Light Bright, Nerf Toys, Pinatas, Phase 10, and Spirograph. And I feel like I did a terrible job of explaining what Spirograph is. Well, I don't, I know I did. It was incoherent. So I looked it up and I don't think Wikipedia did a very good job with it either. It says Spirograph is a geometric drawing device that produces mathematical roulette curves of the variety technically known as hypotricoids and epitricoids. And it was developed by a British inventor in 1965. I thought it was older than that. So when you open a spirograph box, it looks like the, it looks like the, pieces of a or the innards of a of a watch or a machine it's these plastic gear shaped uh discs and they're all different sizes and they have holes in them that accommodate the pens that also come with spirograph i think there's like four colors if i remember correctly and so using the different colors and using the different discs in in sort of a infinite number of combinations you can make these designs i always remember we never we never seemed to know what would happen we just did it we just went along with it and uh probably there are people that get really good at it or know exactly which disc to put with which disc and um so maybe i didn't do such a bad job (laughs) 
I don't think Wikipedia did a very good job of it either. Anyway, I would have thought it was older, and I'll bet it is. I'll bet there's been variations of it that predate 1965. But the one we know was developed by a man in Britain in 1965. So 210-599-5555. You can um, vote. Uh, just Google National Toy Hall of Fame, and we're all allowed to vote, I guess, for a few more days. Or or don't, because you don't care and you have more important things to do. That's fine as well. Uh, Paul is next on 550 and 107.1 KTSA. Hi, Paul. Hello, Jack. Um, say, I talked to you a couple of weeks ago and um, telling you I was going to Fenway and I was looking for a good Italian restaurant. Oh, yeah, I remember that. I remember that. So did you go? Yeah, I did go. In fact, we went... We saw the Tuesday night game, and that damn Judd hit two home runs that night. Yeah, well, what are you going to do? <laughs> it's the year won. for the Yankees. But, yeah, I was re- I was rooting for the Yankees, but um, anyway, we went to Marie, uh, uh, Mama Maria's in the North End, and it was a northern Italian restaurant. And it was good. It was good. I prefer the southern southern part. But um, anyway, the, here's the fun part of the whole thing. As I don't know if you remember, I kept telling you, well, I want one where the mafia was hanging out and all that stuff, right? I remember you saying that, yeah. Okay, so the, the lady that sat us came and talked to us for a minute, and uh, we told her we were from Texas. By the way, I love Boston. The people are great. Didn't see one other Texan, which was also great. But what I said was, I said, now listen, this is a beautiful restaurant. But, you know, I kind of wanted to go to one of the old timeies where maybe the mafia hung out and that type thing. And you're going you're not to believe it. She said, you know, there's five places in town. And they call them the men's club. Mm-hmm. And I said, they call them the men's club. And she said, yeah, that's. That's where the mafiosa have their meetings and do all mm-hmm. these things. And I said, well, where I come from, that's like a, a strip club or something. <laughs> she said, "She said, no, that's, that's not the case here, you know. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I've been trying to figure that out, and I've Googled it, and I still get that they're gentlemen's clubs. But uh, anyway, that was I, I think what she maybe meant to say was they call them social clubs, and – and they're like storefronts, and they do sort of look like a restaurant or a bar, but you have to be a member to okay. to, uh, okay. to go to them. And that's where so they, they're not going to let, they... yeah, they're not going to let you uh, as a tourist. Probably, if if it's what I'm thinking, they probably are not going to let you go in there. But but I think she's right. I think there probably are places like that. I I wouldn't know what they are because I was not, you know, in the mafia. But well, uh, I but I think that's right. Your name to maybe get in there, but. Well, you could try it, but I, I don't think that would help. You could probably <laughs> anyway, make up a name like... and have about as much luck as you would have mentioning my name. But, yeah, so so how how was uh, how was Mama Maria? I, I'm not familiar with that place. I don't know that one. It, it was it was good. Um, I had the veal, and my, my daughter had some kind of a crazy dish. I don't even know what it was. And my son had some kind of a veal, the salad was super. It was right there in the middle of it, and it was okay. outdoor seating. I felt like we were in Europe. Um, wow. I mean, it was just, it was fantastic. One disappointment, though, yeah. all of the restaurants there seemed to be in that North End seemed to be so um, 
formal. You know, I was kind of looking for Hell's Kitchen type thing. Yeah. And I didn't see anything like that. Well, I mean, I'm, I remember I've been out of there a long time, but I think what's happened is the food, you know, like foodies and people who watch Food Network and stuff, I think they've kind of made it into a destination. When we would right. go back in the, when I was a kid, it was just a place locals went to. It wasn't a, you know, it wasn't a place people right. in other parts of the country knew. So probably now that they've known about it, it's probably become more upscale, but... But I'm glad yeah, you got to yeah. go, and, and I'll bet you loved Fenway Park. How was that? Oh, my oh my gosh, it was fantastic. And then, I mean, we had everything. We had five home runs. It went into extra innings. Wow. I had a, a, a bunch of Bostonians that didn't like the three of us because we were rooting for the Yankees, <laughs> but that was even more fun. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. but here's the bad news. Someone was yeah. telling me later on at the hotel – that they're trying to get a new stadium built. Uh, it'll so never that, happen. Yeah, no, it'll, I, it'll never happen. So yeah. Don't worry about watch. that. Paul, you and I, if we lived 100 years, we, they wouldn't build another stadium in that town. So well, don't worry about that. But and, I'm glad you went, and thank you for – I had asked you to follow up with me, and I'm glad you did. So thank you for that, sir. You have a good weekend, and thank you for your call, and thank you for listening. So, yeah, Paul had asked about, and I wasn't really able to give him much in the way of of ideas or guidance, because I've been out of there for so long. But uh, that's cool. I'm glad he called back. On the JR poll, we asked you, will UTSA go into Daryl K. Royal Stadium and upset the Longhorns who just took the national champs to the to the mat for a one-point loss? Will UTSA stage the upset? 60% say yes. 40% say no. We'll see. That's a, definitely a game to keep an eye on tomorrow. I'm also really interested in Miami and A&M because A&M is coming off that ridiculous, embarrassing debacle. And Miami is uh, kind of a team that is supposed to do big things. So the A&M was supposed to do big things, and Miami is supposed to do big things. So these are two underperforming programs. We'll see how they do. Oklahoma-Nebraska is going to be interesting as Nebraska fired its coach after last weekend. Uh, Scott Frost was given the heave-ho. He had a, a ter- poor guy. He was a he was a quarterback up there, a local hero. He'd had success at, at Central Florida. They brought him in. They thought this is going to be perfect. But it, it, it was a nightmare. It, and you could see it in his face. The guy looked haunted. And they lost, they had some sort of record number of one score defeats and just bad all around. So anyway, uh, they have an acting head coach, Mickey Joseph, and they're, uh, they're going to take on Oklahoma. Cal Notre Dame will be interesting. The new Notre Dame head coach has yet to win a game. Um, and Georgia, South Carolina, obviously Georgia's now the considered sort of the, the best of the best at the moment. So we'll see how they do. It's a tough matchup. South Carolina is one of those giant killer teams. We'll see. Um, and on that note, thanks to everybody that called the dish. Thanks to everybody who was on our show this week. Um, I hope you have a wonderful weekend. And we'll be back live Monday at 4 or find our show on demand anytime on the Jack Riccardi page at KTSA.com.